In the name of Jesus, amen. A big part of being a sinner is that it makes you a bit, well, stupid. When Eve listened to the voice of the serpent over the word of God, that wasn't the greatest display of wisdom. But when Adam heard the approach of God in the garden and tried to hide from God behind a bush, and when God found him, surprise, surprise, I know, his next brilliant move was to blame God for the whole mess. And if you read through the Old Testament, you find this kind of almost comical stupidity over and over again. After 10 plagues, Pharaoh, for example, still decided to chase after the people of Israel after he had finally let them go. And then when in front of them God literally divided the sea in two so that the waters formed a wall on the left and on the right, he was dumb enough to go in after them. And in our reading from Jonah last week, we heard how he thought that he could run away from God. He, a prophet of God, thought that on a boat or by drowning in the sea that somehow he could escape from God who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. And while these are just a few of the more face-palming stupidities in the scriptures, the sad reality is that these are really just par for the course. Sin, all sin, is not just bad, though it certainly is that. It is stupid. Sin is foolish. Sin imagines that God is not God that somehow the future is in doubt, that God is not in control, that something or someone other than God has a say in how things turn out. And so this stupidity of sin isn't just something that happens now and then in the Old Testament. It happens with me and with you. When you sin, sometimes it is just comically stupid. You know those sins where your parents, your spouse, your friends, whoever it is, just stare at you and ask, what on earth were you thinking? Because no scenario in the world would make sense of what you just did. But a lot of times when we're sinning, we don't recognize that what we're doing is not just wrong, but foolish. We see something good, something that is desirable, and we want to get it, we want it to happen. And so we, in our foolishness, think that, well, if we set aside God's commandment, we'll get to this good thing. And how stupid is that? Do you not know that all of God's commandments are good and that there is, in fact, no good apart from him? Sometimes we sin because we see something bad and we don't want it to happen. And so we set aside God's commandment to save ourselves from evil. And again, how foolish is that? What evil could possibly happen where God can't save you from that evil unless you go out and break his law? Sin, all sin comes from imagining that God is not God. All sin comes from the fear that God is not actually good, that he does not love us. All sin is rebellion against the God of heaven and earth. And it is this disbelieving aspect of sin, this foolishness that seeks someone or something else to be the source of good, to be God, to be our Savior. And so the story of Jonah, or any of those other stories that I mentioned, is not the story of some exceptionally stupid sinner. It's the story of every stupid sinner. It's my story and your story. 
So repent. Acknowledge your sin. Confess your stupidity. Why? Because God is actually God. Always has been, always will be. And that's actually the beautiful part. He is good and he does love you. And thank God he is mercifully, unreasonably merciful upon you. He does not give up on you, but welcomes you back, no matter how many times you foolishly go after your sins, sometimes after the same one, over and over and over again. Did you listen to Jonah's prayer? and Did you hear how strange of a prayer it actually is? He prays this prayer from the very belly of the fish. He prays this prayer in his own words, out of the belly of Sheol, of hell. And yet, as he prays, he prays and praises God for salvation that he in his prayer says has already happened. I cried out to the Lord out of my distress, Jonah prays, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Marvelously, Jonah praises God for salvation in the same prayer with which he repents in the same prayer with which he prays for salvation. He says that God has already accomplished it for him. For you cast me into the deep, he prays, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. The stupidity of our sin, the foolishness of our sin, is that we turn away from this God, the God of our salvation. We doubt and wander from the God whose steadfast love endures forever, as if we would find any good apart from him. Yet, thanks be to God, your sin does not change who God is. And so Jonah is able to pray, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Jonah repents, and in the very same prayer in which he repents, he speaks of his salvation and deliverance as an already accomplished fact. Why? Because he knows the God to whom he is praying. He knows that he rebelled against God, that he sinned, and yet he prays with no doubt that God will save him. He is, again in his own words, in the belly of hell, in the land whose bars closed upon him forever, and yet he says that God already has brought up his life from the pit. And Jonah can pray this prayer, you can pray this prayer, because as he says at the end, salvation belongs to the Lord. Repentance is not something we do in the sort of in the hopes that God will save us. Repentance is remembering the Lord. It is turning to the God to whom salvation belongs, the God whose steadfast love endures forever. It is the repentance that we do on Sunday mornings where before we confess our sins, what do we do? We hear the word of God that says if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Repentance turns to the God whose steadfast love endures forever, whose mercy is for you now and for always. 
And indeed, Jonah's prayer was well-founded. For how does the chapter end? The Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. And indeed, this is part of that sign which Jesus speaks of when he says that to you will be given the sign of the prophet Jonah. For indeed, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so also the Son of Man, Jesus, is in the belly of the earth for three days, and yet he rises from the dead. Indeed, God has brought him up from the pit of Sheol, and so also God does for you. Indeed, on the last day, every tomb will be opened, and you and all the dead will be raised. We do not pray in the wishful thinking or or even the hopeful thinking of what God might do. We pray with the certainty of what God has done. And so you are invited to be as Jonah and to repent to believe the good news that Jesus has died for you, that he has been buried, that he has risen from the dead. To repent because this is your God, the God who was buried, who lay in death, and yet who is there no longer. For he has come up out of the depths of Sheol, he has risen from the dead, and you, you, your life, your salvation is in him. And so when you pray, You pray to the God who is with you, to the God who is already one, to the God who is risen, because this is your God, and salvation belongs to him. To him be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.